A worried dad is an absolute mess for a home. If dad looks like he's on shaky ground, frantic, frantic and worried and concerned, then Everybody's everybody else is, is rocking. I remember talking to my kids about not to worry if dad dies. I, I didn't want them to be bitter because yeah, I wasn't there. I'm curious, Veronica, living with a chronically ill spouse, you know, you mentioned uh, maybe having to step in and do some of Dale's rules or how that is for your kids and stuff like that. I'm sure there were seasons like that when they're just, Dale was not able to put in to the marriage very much. Mm -hmm. You're just doing it all and you're doing a very hard, you're living a very hard life. Mm -hmm. How did you keep positive? How did you, did you feel like you were just hauling the whole family on your shoulders? Do you feel like you and Dale were able to communicate in such a way that you felt like we're still a team through this? Like, how was that? Hey, you guys, today we get to interview some dear friends of ours, Dale and Veronica Partridge. You guys might know them as Relearn HQ on Instagram or just Dale Partridge. You guys might be familiar with their podcast that's Welcome Home, but they have been a big blessing in our lives. We used to go to church with them, and today I'm really excited for you guys to hear what they are up to, how their family dynamics look in full-time ministry and what they are currently pursuing. They just have a lot to share that is encouraging. It's after Valentine's and so Valentine's Day has passed, but the need to say I love you is never over. Finding a way to tell someone you care about them on a consistent basis is hard. At least it was until Gutter Ranchers came along. Say I love you with meat this year, but not just any meat. It has to be Good Ranchers, 100% American, hand-trimmed, steakhouse-quality meat, and seafood. I got to say, last night, we played a Valentine's game with our home group, and you know what answer I missed? What food Elisha would eat every day if he could only eat one food? Guess what it was? It was steak. How did I miss that? I should have read this before I played the game. And I, I thought you knew me, and I thought you loved me. <laughs> Over 85% of grass-fed beef sold in stores is imported from overseas. Guys, that's crazy. That doesn't say I love you. That says, I think you're as good as this old meat shipped from foreign countries. Don't say that. Instead, use my code VOTEBERG, check below to get the spelling correct, to get 10% off when you order any box from Good Ranches today. Nothing says you care more than prime cuts of beef and pork, pasture-raised chicken, and wild-caught seafood. You can get all of that delivered every four, six, or eight weeks at GoodRanchers.com. Is this like a husband gift? Or is this a wife gift? I don't know. You like their meats. Every, it's like true. I, I specifically like, well... I specifically like the meat that is pre-cut up for me so I don't have to touch the chicken. There you go. All right, guys. Ditch the usual gifts that just don't cut it anymore. Say it with a subscription to American Meat instead. Snag your 10% off and free shipping with my code, VOTEBERG, at GoodRanchers.com today. Our, our code. Oh, so, well, I'm just reading the thing. Yeah. Well, maybe you should think before you read next time. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with 100% satisfaction guarantee, you can count on your monthly delivery of meat to always deliver the quality of favor and service you deserve. That's actually very true. Forget the flowers. Nah, you know, don't forget the flowers, but also set up an easy, affordable, and delicious subscription to American Meat Delivered Today and save $30 with our code... Voteberg, <laughs> say you're the best with the best meat in America from Good Ranchers. Let's get this episode rolling. 
the Now That We're a Family podcast. Well, Dale and Veronica Partridge, I tell you what, this is quite a treat to uh, be talking with you. And it has been a while. I mean, we were just talking before we started recording that a lot of life has happened in both of our homes since we last talked. And, and we're going to be able to uh, hopefully catch our listeners up on some of those some of those events, key events. Um, but, you know, we've been looking forward to this. We consider you guys dear friends of ours. We look up to you in so many ways. You have been a uh, huge encouragement to Katie and I in our journey in so many different aspects of our life. And today we want to talk about family. We want to talk about your home, marriage, things like that, which I know those are areas that you guys care about and you speak to. But for our listeners, they already heard a little bit about you. But could you guys give us like a current day, maybe like a current day where you live, how long you've been married, how many children you have, what you're doing for work right now. And then maybe from there, we can kind of back up and hear some backstory. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll open up. Um, first, we've known you guys f- like forever. Um, you know, When pre- we met you, you were pregnant with Leon. You guys were newlyweds and yeah. pregnant with Leon. So yeah. back before you had your babies. And so, yeah, so we, you know, Katie's sister was our babysitter for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, she went on vacations with our family. I mean, it was, yeah. So just so you got, get some context that we are, we are close with, with these guys. So, um, yeah, our story is grew up in Southern California, both of us, um, and had kind of not Christian homes in, in an upbringing. And then we, uh, we met and we met because I dated her sister, which just long story short, long story short. um, <laughs> but didn't but see we her didn't start dating till five years later, five years later. Yeah. And uh, I was a business guy, entrepreneur, started several companies, was running the business world. We got married in 2010. Um, we continued to go in the business world. I started a company called Sevenly that was uh, fairly large, maybe about 50 employees. And that was in Orange County. And we uh, decided to move to Oregon, where we met you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, probably what 2015. We we moved in 2014, but we met you guys I think 2015 or so, and maybe 2016. I don't know what when, when that was. Whenever Leon was born, yeah. <laughs> the year before he was born. I guess that's true. So, anyways, <laughs> we uh, we I, I felt a, a draw to ministry and a releasing from the business world over a period of years, and at some point, really felt other people saying, "Hey, you should consider preaching more, or going into ministry." So I went to seminary, uh, planted a church um, in Oregon, and then uh, really came reformed in my theological convictions. Uh, that was a big shift for us, understanding grace, understanding mercy, some of those things that was uh, were not as clear uh, under our previous upbringing in kind of the Southern California church life. And then um, we, I got super sick. I got super sick in Oregon um, and was almost dying, and we relocated down to Arizona in 2021. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have continued uh, doing ministry. So I, I have a ministry called relearn.org, which we have an app uh, that you know, has tons of really great audiobooks and different things in the for the Christian life. Um, lead a small seminary called Reformation Seminary. And then I'm the pastor of a church called Kingsway Bible Church. We've been married now. About next week will be 14 years. Mm-hmm. I've uh, been together Whoa. for 15 years, and uh, we have four kids. Why don't you give the ages? Yeah, Aria, our daughter, she's our oldest. She's 10. Um, our son next is Honor. He will be eight in uh, two weeks. 
And then we have Valor, who is six. And then our youngest baby, who is just a couple weeks older than Katie and Elisha's youngest baby, is seven months old, and his name is Deacon. So yeah. that's the story. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Yeah, we had our last babies after that big gap that you guys had mm-hmm. in the Six same month, gap. which is pretty cool. And how was that? Okay, we didn't actually talk about this, but I haven't been able to ask you this, Veronica, and I was curious. I've heard from Dale's perspective, his theology transformation. But how was that for you guys as a marriage couple? Like as a married couple, I feel like we have a lot of couples who are going through and and we've gone through stuff like this where one spouse feels very inclined to study theology and then the other spouse is like, what's going on here? Are are you changing your views on everything? How was that for you guys? Did you feel like you were in lockstep with Dale or did you feel like that was a big adjustment for you and it kind of took you more time? It's funny that you asked that because I mean, I think it was a big adjustment just because Dale had radically shifted um, and it was so different than what his position was previously. Um, but for me, it actually was not difficult at all. Um, I, when I got saved, I was actually taught a lot of this stuff. And so when I married Dale and he was telling me that, no, this is wrong. (laughs) What you're believing here is not correct. Um, I was really confused. And then I was just like, okay, like you're smarter than me. You study more than I do. I'm just going to submit to you in this area. Um, and I did, but there would be often times where certain things would come up and I'd say, I just, I just don't get it. Like this doesn't make sense to me. And he would have this really great sounding explanation. And so I just like, okay, like maybe I'm not getting it, but I just, I just don't get, I'm, I'm a simpleton. I don't have the, the best education. I didn't go to college. I barely graduated high school. And so I'm very simple and keep things like you're talking to a kindergartner and I will understand. And and she's speaking to Calvinism specifically, which I know that's a dirty C word, right? It's just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe he said Calvinist. But um, the idea of reformed theology, Mm -hmm. the sovereignty of God over salvation, right? So she Mm -hmm. had already had the position of like, oh, of course God saves people and we don't save ourselves. Of course we don't have free will to make that decision. It's God's decision to come save us. Like th- those discussions were, were I, not hard for me at all. I was like, well, he's God. That makes sense. He's able to do that. And so for me, it was like, you know, I had to let go of the idea of man's free will in regards to uh, salvation. And that was such a massive shift for me because I was so adamantly against it. I was anti-Calvinist. I was, I called it a doctrine of demons. I was so, so much against that. And so Mm -hmm. when the Lord opened my eyes to that through reading the scriptures, it it was so radical for me. And Veronica was like, I'm already there. (laughs) I didn't say it like that, but I was like, I've, I've always believed that. Okay. This makes so much more sense to me. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, I think a lot can be gained, I guess, learned from that as a married couple because, uh, you know, there's there's almost like a hierarchy in which you can look to God's institutions, you know, and, and marriage really being this this uh, premier uh, institution that he's created. And when you have a theological difference, I even hear, you know, hear you say, Veronica, like, well, I submitted to him as the head. That was that was you being faithful to God by submitting submitting to him. Amen. And again, you know, you don't want this to lead into sin. You don't want to lead to lead into um, you know false teaching and false doctrines. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was it's really cool to hear you say that because in the long run, that is far more advantageous for your family. 
for your faith when you when you are able to do that. So I think it's a huge encouragement to. I know it's an encouragement to us because, like Katie said, you know, of course we want to be aligned in our growth and in our you know faith and theology. But at times, somebody's learning something a little sooner than the other, or somebody's mm-hmm. learning something different than the other. But to still keep that perspective on marriage, I think, is extremely extremely helpful. And yeah. I, I mean, and I knew he he was a believer. I knew he was a Christian, and. And so whether I thought he was incorrect or correct, I was just trusting that the Lord would guide him in the path that he had for us. And so I was just like, okay, it was never like a real headbutting thing for us. We didn't really struggle a lot. I was just like, okay, this doesn't make sense, but I'll, I'll trust you. I trust you, God. I trust Dale. Yeah. We've had, we've had that with, you know, discussions even with eschatology or with covenant theology or, or other things. And she has done such a great job of just going, Hey, you know what? Um, you know, we're, we're certainly perfectly aligned on the gospel, and uh, and these other matters. You know, I'm just going to submit to you and, and trust that the Lord's leading you. And it's been so easy for me as a husband, which is a huge blessing for a wife to be that way. And it's a you know just an encouragement to other women that are listening. Go, hey, it's just. I know sometimes you have hard-headed, intelligent women that are theologically astute. Mm-hmm. And pursue those realities that are fighting for, you know, almost in a way that they're leading intellectually in their homes. That happens. We've met those families, and it's it becomes a harder shift for that to occur when the dad might be more, you know, passive and not really interested in the deeper things of God and understands the gospel and is a good old Bible boy and you know whatever it may be. And so I think that it's been we're naturally we fit naturally in our roles. Like God has blessed us with that. Um, and not to say that Veronica's not smart or not capable. She is. She just, she does actually obey the scriptures when it says to submit to your husband in that particular area. And it's been very helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I like laugh when you, I mean, obviously we aren't getting into all this right now, but like you mentioned Calvinism as being this big, like, you know, pill to swallow kind of, and then it's like, but that's just like the gateway drug to <laughs> sensationism and pedo baptism and yes. like post-millennialism yep. <laughs> and you know like you go down the things and people just like fall over backwards so like <laughs> calvinism is is easy well and it's yeah. like yeah you start realizing like why you start looking throughout church history and you're like oh yeah that's why they all landed there it became the this really clear path i mean when i started reading the puritans that was what did it for me i was just like okay these guys are smarter than me for sure you know they have five languages they're reading They've studied at a level of academic uh, rigor that I, I can't even comprehend. And I'm like, what do these guys know that I don't know? Like, what am I missing here? You know, Jonathan Edwards and, you know, Calvin and, you know, uh, Spurgeon. And like, tell me about what, what I'm missing. And that was really the, the big shift of just going, okay, um, looking throughout church history and, and figuring out, you know, there's things I disagreed with. And then there was things I go, okay, yeah, I, I get it now. Hmm. Yeah, that's cool to hear. Now, I want to <laughs> kind of... Here, maybe can you speak a little bit to that transition? Because when we first, before we even met you, we were aware of you because you were being featured like in Forbes magazine. You were doing TED Talks. You were speaking at Facebook. You you guys even had like a write-up in People magazine. 
at what at one point, and then we come and we meet you. I think at at, at a home church, mm-hmm. and from that point forward, you were kind of starting this transition away from business towards ministry. And I'm curious on all fronts, you know, marriage, you know, Veronica, going back to like your experience with that, being married to, I've heard you say before, like you knew when you were getting married, like it was going to be go, 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 or there was never going to be a dull moment or anything like that. Uh, But what was that like for you going from this business world where it was, you know, the bottom line, it was productivity, it was profitability, to, man, we're speaking to family, we're speaking, uh, you know, we're teaching teaching the Bible. Uh, and how did that shift in your home? Was there a dramatic shift or did everything kind of stay the same and just the content started changing? I mean, yeah, we need to first start with how Elisha says magazine. Um, so that's important. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, Thank um, you. Katie will appreciate that. I grew, <laughs> up in, grew up in Western Washington. So yeah. I, I, I work with grocery bags. When I, <laughs> yeah, I like Thanks. reading magazines. Um, yeah. For me, it was, uh, you know, the Lord, I, I wrote a book called Saved from Success when I was early in my faith journey and late in my business journey. And it was there was a quote, I don't remember who originally said it, but once you get to the top, you realize there's nothing there. And we, we, we made lots of money and had lots of influence and had all the things that most people our age and beyond were looking for. And so the shift um, was emptiness by God's grace, like letting us see the emptiness of materialism or success um, according to, to the world's perspective. And the Lord just slowly, patiently helped us see that true success really is fruitfulness. And not that there's, you know, I don't like people who think that ministry is more fruitful than business, right? So I think that for, the, for certain individuals, the most fruitful thing you can do is build multi-generational wealth that uh, raises godly children and multi-generational uh, faithfulness in a home that uh, leads to good churchmen and good churchwomen and potentially, you know, pastors and, and, and great businesses that fund great ministries. And so I, I never want to diminish that. Like I, I stepped out of the business world and went up to ministry. Um, truly, th- there's actually people that are called to both. We just had felt a conviction, um, not just like Calling isn't something that you determine. It's something that other people tell you about. And so I was just getting, uh, you know, I, ha- I had what Steve Lawson would say is the, the yearning, burning, and churning of the Word of God in me, right? And that was constant. And then, and then I had other people confirming that in me. And then I had God do some miraculous moves on selling certain companies and timeframes that were within our parameters of prayer. And and so it was just so clear that that we were called there into ministry and giving up the business world. Um, you know, yeah, you don't make as much money in the ministry, that's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But but it's the legacy that we've been able to give um, to our children and the life that we've been able to demonstrate to those in our church. It's been a blessing, and the, the fruitfulness. I mean, the people that have come to Christ under my preaching or. Uh, you know, just the, the the books that we've been able to produce. I mean, it's just a different type of fruitfulness from before. But when it's like, I felt like I was designed for it. I felt like um, like you can do anything else. Yeah, and that's what Charles Spurgeon says. If you can do anything else, do it. 
uh, because ministry is, is it's, it, it, if you're not absolutely called, and I would even say qualified, called, gifted, equipped, you know, before the foundation of the world, God sanctified this individual for this particular ministry. If you don't feel that way about it, go, go, get, go do anything else. Um, but ministry is, it won't, it, that's why I think the, the stats are that after five years, what is it, 60% or 70% of people leave full-time ministry. Um, we're, we're going into year eight um, at this point, and it's, you know, th- there's been many times where I've walked in and I'm just like, Veronica, I'm done. Like I've done, you get, you, you pour into somebody for two years and they just like disappear or, or you get betrayed or, you know, whatever it may be. But the, the sign that someone's really called is that right when you say that the next morning, like you feel like that flame went out that night and then the next morning the flames back up and that you just, it just doesn't go out. And no matter how difficult it gets, the flame doesn't go out. And that's a, a real easy way to see that it's, it's not you, it's not your perseverance, it's God in you, persevering you through those realities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm curious with you, Veronica, because, you know, being a pastor's <laughs> wife, you started in ministry with Dale when you had really young kids, mm-hmm. and you've done it through this whole season of sickness and um, all, a lot of different challenges. How has that been for you, navigating still being a mother that's... Uh, very hands-on and then also supporting Dale and supporting the church. How has that looked for you? Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's, you know, my first ministry is to my husband and to my children. And so, um, I just try and focus on home a lot and also seeing what's a priority to Dale and how I can be his helpmeet in ministry. Um, and so a lot of that is just managing the home and because of the chronic illness that Dale has had for a few years, he eats the exact same thing every day. And so I make him the exact same food for lunch and dinner every single day. Even, you know, before we go to church on Sundays, I make his food before we get there. Um, and so those are just things that he just doesn't want to have to worry about or think about (laughs) if I can take care of some of those things for him, whether it's food or clothes, making sure he's got clean laundry, whatever it is. Um, sometimes it's even like something as practical and simple as like, I go get the oil changed in our car so he can work on his sermon and I'll go do that. So he doesn't need to worry about it. Um, I think just a lot, it's just really practical for us. Um, and so I don't know, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah. I'm the type of person. It's funny. The more we read about, you know, preachers of the past, uh, the more we see the similarities of their life with our life. And there's this thing that's common among preachers that I would say are, are similar, that God designed them similar to the personality type that I have, is that I basically, I have to be like told to eat and like told to go to bed and like go to, like, you need to go to the bathroom. You should take a shower. Like, I'm so... I'm so focused <laughs> on producing, studying, writing, praying um, that that I need someone to help me. I, I, if you have ever read John Calvin's uh, eulogy for his wife's death, it was absolutely devastating because he he lost not just his the love of his life and and his his wife 
in the sense of just being a woman for him, but, but just his helper. And he, he was lost his productivity. He lost his ability to fulfill God's will in his life at a pace in which he was previously accomplishing that. And, and so um, there's been a lot with that for me. It's just been very helpful. Um, it is, like Veronica said, very practical. Um, and that's, that's just how it's worked for us. Yeah, Sunday mornings, Dale is in his office in here all morning from the time he wakes up till like 20 minutes before we have to leave. And the kids are like, I'm on full kid duty, get everybody dressed, get everybody fed. I try and get as much of the stuff prepared the night before so that we don't have to worry about it on Sunday morning. Um, it's just, yeah, like I said, just really practical. It's nothing, I don't think, you know, groundbreaking or mind-blowing. It's just pretty simple. Just just take um, as much as I can off of his plate so he can focus on preparing his sermon, focus on praying Which and doing what he needs to do. I'm going to say is like Veronica just got done reading um, uh, Susie Spurgeon's biography as well as uh, Jonathan Edwards' wife's uh, biography, Sarah Edwards, uh, which the book is titled A Marriage to a Difficult Man. No, that's a different one. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Okay, anyways. A different one on Sarah Edwards, but okay. continue. But um, <laughs> there is another book that I have read called Marriage to a Difficult Man, but I read that a few years ago. So Veronica has seen that these women to these pastors are today, and this will lead to your next question, I know, Elisha, but is... Today, we would say, oh, that husband is abdicating his family uh, and because he, he's doing so much ministry, where historically, and all the men that we look up to in the church, uh, we, we would look at them by some of today's standards and be like, that's a, that's a bad father and husband. Look how much he's gone. Um, and, and even if we even knew maybe the internal reality of, say, of a guy like John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul, I mean, these guys are world-famous preachers, right, that had massive demands on their lives. Um, and so they're, they're not going to be home the way, or they're not going to be present the way that the guy that is an electrician is just not, there's, there's a different calling there. And so finding that balance and having Veronica, not to say that I am by any means, uh, uh, to be compared to any of those men, but, but it, it was just helpful to see that, um, it is actually common for a wife to step in historically in these pastors, wives, lives, or in these pastors lives to, help in areas which may seem, if you're looking at it with a critical eye, like an abdication of fatherhood or husbandry, but truly there, there is a, there's a cost to ministry and there's a time cost and a prayer cost and a focus cost that is different and unique than any other, uh, vocation. And so we've had to deal with that, um, which has been unique over the years, but I feel like we're making it through it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because in some of your recent podcasts, well, really, you guys kind of started a whole new podcast, Welcome Home, which is a a bit of a different theme than what you guys have done in in years past. Um, And you you guys are really speaking directly to the culture of the home, different rhythms and routines of the home, kind of the attitude of the home. And you've mentioned, you know, you, you said briefly, kind of like in your short introduction, there was this period of time where you were sick, you needed to relocate, and you guys like didn't have a home for a bit, right? You guys were living in a, in like a travel trailer or a fifth wheel or whatever, mm-hmm. an RV, and, uh, and then you were renting various places, and it felt 
I, I think maybe very transient and be, before you guys were able to kind of recently purchase a home. And I'm curious as to how that was then as a home, because I mean, you're still a family, you're still a home, even though you don't have that physical location that you can count on. And then what you are doing now that you do have a physical location. And if you've seen uh, a shift in, you know, the attitude, the spirit, and seen kind of like the benefit, the advantage of some of those more stable things, but then also how the principles might still align, regardless of whether, you know, you're in transition or you're, or you're more stable. Can you kind of just speak to that season in general and what you guys are emphasizing now in the home? Want to take it? You can start. Okay. <laughs> I'll jump in. So yeah, when we didn't have, it, it was a weird season of trying to create home culture in transition, which was. While uh, you were very, very sick. Yeah. And so the main thing is we wanted to figure out how do we maintain the critical points? You know, how, how do, we, which is, you know, a little time with kids, you know, spend a little bit of time with each other, uh, making sure that we're trying to keep devotions or prayer time at least, or meals together. Um, you know, those were, became the, the, the bottom requirements of just getting through the day. And we, 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 you know, hung pictures on our fifth wheel walls, you know, to try to create some sort of sense of make it feel a little homey. A little homey. That was our home for six <clears throat> months. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. you know, then we rented and we were struggling even just with our own personal sanctification and growth on Mm -hmm. you know, being bitter and not wanting to invest into a particular rental because, you know, it's a rental and we're not going to be here for long. It's not even put anything on the walls. And that was, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't Dale. It was me. And so well, I'm not, I'm not putting anything up on these walls. This is not my home. Yeah. And so we had, we had that season. Um, mm -hmm. Now we're here in a house that we do own, which I, I, you know, we still have a vision for. Yeah. This is still, I mean, unless the Lord, <clears throat> changes something this is still not our permanent home it's still we're still in but this bit of a transition season but we did buy this home and so we are trying to make it a little bit more homey yeah we're we're, we're here at a longer season you guys got to see our home in Oregon which yeah. we thought we were going to die in and mm -hmm. you know I feel like the Lord just had us in this beautiful picturesque reality and you know helped us wean off of that to realize, hey, you know what? And and honestly, it's been really good for us in ministry because um, the average family doesn't have that. Mm -hmm. And so we can relate uh, sympathetically, empathetically um, in, a, in a proper way with them and go, yeah, you know, we, we get that. We know what that's like to, to have a dream and not quite be there yet. And, and yeah, when we were living in our fifth will, even as, you know, Dale was really sick when we were living in our fifth world. We had just moved from Oregon because he was so sick. We didn't want to jump into any random house just because we didn't know how his health was going to be doing. So we lived in the fifth wheel. Um, but even when we were in the fifth wheel, as sick as he was, we were still trying to host and still trying to have people over. Um, a lot of that time was in the summer. And so the weather, we live in Arizona. And so we live in northern Arizona, so it's not as hot. But a lot of the weather was still really nice. And so we would just have people come over and eat on the patio out front of our fifth wheel. And, um, you know, I was still trying to keep a lot of rhythms and routines with the kids, take them to the park. We were still homeschooling, doing all that while we lived in They're it. They're probably going to look back at it and go, that was a blast. Like not even think about the trials of it all. Um, I think that we... That, we yeah. we also didn't hide the reality of my severity of sickness. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that was one thing that, you know, it's funny, like older generations. I mean, to a point, yes, on your really, really dark, hard moments. But those sure. were most of the time, like at night when the kids are asleep. Yeah. Um, but they, I mean, they saw you in bed all the time. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of boomer generation that's like, don't show any weakness in front of your kids, you know? And where uh, we were just like, hey, you know what? This like, is our reality. And I think our kids got to see faithfulness and trials, which was a massive blessing for them. So that when trials come for them, because they will, uh, they will have experienced a modeled faithfulness. And not to say that we were perfect, but we I think that mm-hmm. God carried us through that season yeah. um, in a really unique way that was such a blessing. And yeah, it does feel good to be settled. We painted walls. We put stuff on the walls here. <laughs> You know, yeah, it looks you see my office. Nice. Look at it. I mean, I'd move here. in. Yeah. So, <laughs> Veronica put pictures on these walls. So, yep. that's that's saying something. <laughs> yeah. So, in reference to your sickness, which I know is an ongoing, you know, battle for you. It's it's this is this is in process, right? And and we're praying that you continue to, I guess, improve. You know, we yep. want that. We want we want vitality for for you and for your family. And you mentioned. Uh, bringing your kids kind of into the conversation. It's a, it's, it's, they're, they're in the, they're in the midst of it and you're not hiding it from them. How, how was that conversation? Because, you know, obviously there's other people that are experiencing physical ailments, mm-hmm. um, some chronic illness, but then it might be financial hardships that people are having or, um, you know, extra relational, you know, in-law re- relationship, relational hardships, you know, where, where, you know, grandparents are dying or, you know, yep. siblings are dying and, and, how do you decide, you know, you, you want your children, people talk about, oh, just let them be kids, you know, like let them have their innocence and you don't want them to have the weight of the world on their shoulders. And and I'm saying this kind of, I think, coming from a place where in retrospect, my dad, you know, you hear, I hear some of the stories now. It's like, wow, like we didn't have any money. And yet, you know, all my concern was, was like how big my fort was going to be in the backyard. Right. You know, like I really, he didn't, I, that wasn't brought home. We still did our family Bible times. And yet I didn't realize the stresses he was feeling about whether or not there was going to be, you know, dinner the next night. Um, and so what has that conversation been like between you two with your kids where you're thinking what you already mentioned wanting to ex- exemplify faithfulness, you know, trust in God, and then also, you know, show his faithfulness. But has that been an ongoing progression or is it the type of thing where you're like, no, this is how we want to do it. Or is it a day by day walk with you guys? Yeah. The guys, uh, that I've, I'm, thinking about past pastors that have done this too, but um, the the bottom of the barrel for me was I remember talking to my kids about, you know, not to worry if dad dies. Like it was a, it was a weird season of, of, you know, Hey, you know what? The the Lord has blessed you guys with these things. And you know what? And, And don't, don't ever be upset with God if dad dies. Like, I didn't want them to be, uh, you know, bitter because you know, I wasn't there. Um, and so that, that was, that was the, the hard part of it, those conversations. Um, and if you, you know, I don't know if we've said this, but I, I got mold sick, right? So I was, a, it was one of these things where it basically destroys your immune system <clears throat> and you don't really know what's wrong, except that nothing's working and it takes forever to, and it's gradual. Yeah, it's gradual and it takes it takes years. It, it takes years to repair and and so I was having, you know, seizures and you know what felt like kidney failure and you know 
internal bleeding in my intestines and just all types of gross, terrible things. And, you know, along with another 40 other symptoms that were daily, but, um, and so having those conversations, I think we, yeah, we, we, you have to have discretion and prudence to. Yeah. And you know, your child best and you know what they can handle and what they can't and what might be too much. Um, I always try and find that balance. It's like homeschooling where you want to like push your kids just enough to where they're growing, but you don't want to put too much on them where they over get overwhelmed and shut down. It's kind of like that when you're explaining something that is really drastic in your life, sickness, health, delicate, um, emotional, relocation, health, sickness, um, death. You know, you want to be honest with your kids. We don't want to lie to them. Um, because Dale works from home. He's at home all the time. And so there's no hiding it from them. They know when things are off. Um, and so just giving them just enough. I mean, I think we've been pretty open with our kids since they were born. And that's never anything that we like so, had a discussion about. It was just, that's just how Dale and I are. Um, but yeah, we, you know, some, one of our kids is more sensitive than the other ones. And so just being delicate with the information that you're giving them. Okay. So this is the, this is the takeaway point. Trials communicated by parents that don't have fear is fine, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, When you have trials and suffering that's communicated and they get to see you be level-headed, calm, walking in the spirit, confident in the promises and the sovereignty of God there's there's really not much you can't share mm-hmm. because they're they're just going to take your cues and if you can bless them with okay you know your aunt died and i it's okay to be sad and it's okay to cry but i we we need to think about a b c and d and have those conversations around death and they're going to just be watching you mm-hmm. for your cues That's and true. so i feel like we were very careful on not having emotional, you know, breakdowns. They happen, you know, but they're not, ha- those aren't happening in front of the kids. No. Right. You know, and the same with anything, any other trial, it's like, it's a good point that you brought that up. Cause I, I've seen you have these conversations with the kids and they're like looking deep into your eyes. Like, okay, dad's being serious about this. Mm-hmm. What's happening. How does he feel? And often you know, if they're tempted to feel scared or worried, they just ask questions. Yeah. They just have a, okay, well, what about this? And so we just answer the question. And then crack know. a joke, you know? <laughs> and, 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 and then it just, they walk away and they're happy and they realize that, oh, okay, well, it can't be that bad because dad's <laughs> laughing over there, you know? And so um, joyful, you know, I, I think Doug Wilson talks a lot about this, you know, like um, confident joviality you know, I think is a really important role for dad in the home just to be confident, jovial. And at the same time, you know, you're, you, there's moments of seriousness, there's moments of discipline. And then there's, you know, they just don't want to see worried, a worried dad is an absolute mess for a home. So you, you, if you, if dad looks like he's on shaky ground, frantic, frantic and worried and concerned, then Everybody's everybody else <laughs> is, is rocking. Um, and, yeah. and, and mom then has to start doing the roles of dad and she gets bitter because of that. And it, it, it's a whole thing. So that was probably the hardest part is staying somewhat together <laughs> mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Like I remember people 
you know, saying things to me. And I was like, man, if you felt the physical feelings that I'm having right now, you would probably be calling 911, but I'm sitting here having a conversation at a dinner table, you know? And like, just, there was a, there was a, a, a season of self-control that you're fighting in your body that you feel like you're going to die, you know, but you're not going to die. But you also know that this is just some of the symptoms that this come what, with your chronic illness. Yeah. And so, so you're, you're like, just do like, do I need a panic right now or do I just need to ride this out? Yeah. You just learn to like be comfortable with a sense of absolute chaos in your body and just kind of walk it out. And that was a really interesting thing to do in front of your kids, but uh, the Lord used it to bear fruit. Yeah, I'm, I think that's a really cool distinction that you pointed out. The difference is not what you're sharing with your kids, it's how you are sharing it with them. Mm-hmm. And because I can totally relate to that. It's like you're just looking to your parents for cues as to how to handle the information. The information itself doesn't come with the emotion like it would, like an adult would feel. Because mm-hmm. there's just not that life experience there right. in most cases with the kids. And I'm curious, Veronica, living with a chronically ill spouse, you know, you mentioned uh, maybe having to step in and do some of Dale's roles or how that is for your kids and stuff like that. I'm sure there were seasons like that when they're just... Dale was not able to put in to the marriage very much. Mm-hmm. You're just doing it all and you're doing a very hard, you're living a very hard life. Mm-hmm. How did you keep positive? How did you, did you feel like you were just hauling the whole family on your shoulders? Do you feel like you and Dale were able to communicate in such a way that you felt like we're still a team through this? Like, how was that? <sighs> That's hard. It was such a hard season. Um, And I just can truly say the Lord just carried us through that. I don't know Mm -hmm. how, because it was really, really hard. Um, I really struggled mentally, emotionally about it um, because Dale spent a lot of time in bed. Like Mm -hmm. most days were spent in bed. For about two years. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so um, trying to keep routine as best as I can um, was really helpful with the kids because it gave them some um, predictability, some security, and we do the same things um, all the time. Um, I think that the, there were moments where we could communicate and be more clear with what we were struggling with in our marriage, um, but there was also times where, like, he's so sick, he can't even, th- like, think to get up right now <laughs> to, like, walk to the other side of the trailer to grab something. Um, and so it was a lot of discerning on when is a good time to have this conversation when it's not? Um, and trust me, I failed many times. There were times where I would just get up, get upset. I don't know. I don't know if I would get mad at you. I would just be like a little bit more short or quick in my responses. Um, but I mean, I definitely did not walk it out perfectly. Um, because it was definitely always a battle of the flesh and the spirit of walk, trying to walk in the spirit, but my flesh is struggling so much because it, it just hates everything that, <laughs> that is happening at the moment. Yeah. And you yeah. guys moved to a completely different state. Like you didn't have any kind of support. Did no, you? yeah, like, we moved for, so we grew up in California, but we lived in Oregon for seven years, but Oregon is really where we like started our family and we had so many friends there. Um, Oregon felt like home. So when we left, it was really hard um, and then we moved to um, middle of Arizona and we knew nobody like 
not anybody that lives anywhere near this. We knew some people in like Phoenix and Scottsdale area, but no one that we were super close to. Um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely lonely. Um, I would just I had two friends that I would just talk to on the phone pretty regularly that would encourage me. Um, but I remember calling them pretty often, like crying at the RV park when we were living in the oh. RV, like at the playground while my kids are playing and like crying and just being like, this is how Dale's feeling this morning. And I'm just really struggling. But Yeah. And we, we, um, <clears throat> we know we, we were going to different churches for a season Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I wasn't pastoring a church at the time. And, uh, we, we also took a season that we just weren't going to church. We were doing maybe some family worship and, you know, as a pastor, you want to go, you weren't going to church. Um, you know, there's just, it, it, this whole experience has made us empathetic with unique circumstances. We're way more empathetic towards that. You're just a not lot of people. Yeah. The, like there's, there's rules and then there's exceptions mm-hmm. and there are a lot of exceptions and we love to be the exception to the rule, but we, <laughs> we, we have learned to, we meet people and you go, yeah, that that's a unique situation. And we don't, we're not so dogmatic on people's unique situations as we once were because we understand, Hey, you know, yeah, that's, that's a rough go. Like once you spend the next two months getting out of that season and then come back. Um, and now I, I do think that people, you know, when you're moving and relocating, you know, you, you can't be a part of a church as you wish. And, um, but in a perfect world, yeah, you're, you're, you're a part of a church, even if you're not attending on Sunday for whatever reason, so that you have the, the ordinary means of grace, right? God blesses his people through the means of the church. Uh, through the preaching of the word, through the taking of the sacraments, you know, the Lord's table, through through fellowship and communion with each other, to correction and discipline and, uh, you know, helps and supports and benevolence, all that happens through the church. And so we had, you know, so many great Christian friends around the country that, you know, would have picked us up in a heartbeat and sent us money if we needed it and whatever. Um, but yeah, that that's, if I go, if if someone's listening that's struggling, like, <laughs> and you're not connected to a church, figure out how to move heaven and earth to get connected to a church, even if you have the pastor come to you once a week and or whatever it might be. So, Yeah, I, again, like I appreciate, you know, Veronica, you sharing your experience. And I, I mean, again, I can't, I can't imagine how hard that would be. Yeah. Um, but then as a man, I'm picturing, you know, Dale, that's a, two years is a long time. And when I think of so many of the things that are important to me, you know, leading my home, provision, you know, disciplining my children, leading my children, uh, wanting to be a romantic, you know, a a romantic to my wife, wanting to encourage her. And in a lot of ways being held from doing, I mean, I I mean, I'm sure there was ways that you were able to, you know, still walk in your roles, but probably when I guess I, I think you're probably hearing where I'm getting to. I just am picturing mentally where I would be. Cause it's like, I'm sick for two days and I'm like, Oh man, my sons must think I'm a loser. You know, like yeah. I can't get out of bed. And especially, you know, you were a high level athlete, you yep. know, in college, it's, you were, you've, you had experience having physical capabilities, you yep. know, being energetic. And so what was that journey like for you? And what, how does that continue to be? Cause that is a lot of men's reality. We might have this aspiration of like, man, I want to be gung ho, lead my children, be out there providing. And then there are seasons where for, for whatever reason, and God's, you know, providence has chronic illness, you know, be a part of our journey. So what was that like for you mentally, spiritually, emotionally, all that? 
I want to let Dale answer that, but just bringing this up, I often during that season prayed, Lord, fill in the gaps, be the mm-hmm. father to my children that Dale can't be right mm-hmm. now. Um, so I remember praying that pretty regularly. I think we have a baby crying. Hold on one second. Yeah. So I'll answer that question. It's perfect timing. So uh, the question that I think is a really good question. One is that I actually felt, uh, I, I noticed a few things. One, so I love shooting guns. Um, I've carried a gun on me most of the time since I was about 21. Um, I even had a, a concealed carry in California, which is incredibly rare to get. I, I noticed an interesting, I made an interesting ob- observation. When I got super sick, I stopped carrying a gun. And I didn't realize until later, but when you are weak, you feel weak. So, so when you are weak, you actually feel less like a protector and less inclined to protect because you feel like you can't. You would think that you would be like, I'm weaker. I'm going to carry more guns, <laughs> right? But, um, but instead, I'm actually, I, I stopped carrying the gun. I, I didn't feel, it, it was a weird time of, dealing with my own insecurities. I lost 30 pounds. I weighed 128 pounds at my lightest. Um, and I'm five, nine. So, so I was super thin. I hadn't been that thin since I was like, you know, freshman or sophomore in high school, you know? And, and so just feeling insecure about physical appearance, I'd never ever had that, you know, I was, you know, in, in, into sports, uh, you know, and almost a, uh, amateur professional skateboarder at one point, like I, I was way in to that world. I, I was even, you know, into weightlifting for a season of time where I was, you know, 170 and, and, you know, very fit. And so to be that light was very strange for me. And my actual like being, my very being was feeling absent of the ability to carry out my masculine duties and that was, that was, it was hard. I, I, I remember like a specific story. I was at a RV park and I was watching this like 70 year old man in, we were out of the pool and I was just able to like lay out in the sun. And I was watching the 70 year old man play with my kids. We didn't even know the guy. He was just out in the pool and he was throwing my kids into the water. And this 70 year old guy's way healthier than I was. And I remember feeling like, like a complete loser, you know, just like totally frustrated with my inability to get into the water. I was afraid of the chlorine. I was afraid of the the temperature shock to my system at the time. I was all these things. And, um, and I could barely walk back to the RV, you know? And so there was several moments that I had to, to lead by just verbal decisions you know, by prayer, by, uh, by teaching, you know, things that I could do from bed and, um, yeah. And our, you know, our sex life changed, you know, again, people don't talk about it, but when you, when you're sick or, you know, wh- whenever you have u- unique circumstances with, um, we got a baby coming in here. Um, whenever you have unique circumstances with, uh, you know, uh, moms maybe have to take certain, medications, uh, that prevent you from getting pregnant at a particular time for a particular reason. You know, you have other situations where, 
um, you know, uh, just we've met people over the years just having sicknesses and varieties of issues that prevent them to having a sex life. And you have to get creative and, and, and feel intimate in other ways. And, and for me, you know, even we just talked about this in one of our episodes, um, you know, you don't realize until you're sick that after having sex, it changes your hormones radically. And you never feel that when you're healthy, but when you're sick, I would actually feel more sick um, after having sex. And that, that would be something that would actually create a, a division where you go, I don't have sex. I don't have sex because I don't want to get sick any more than I already am. So we had to fight through that. And then for me, it's like, I don't want to, because I don't want to make it even worse. Yeah. I don't and, want to make you feel sick. And she's the reason that it's, it, it was a, a real complex thing for, for a season. And we worked through that. Um, we worked through that and, you know, couples are going to have to work through that. Sometimes it's, you know, he cheated on me and, and a wife's going to have to figure out how to work through getting back to intimacy again. There, there are all types of situations that disrupt that intimacy and some that you choose and some that you don't choose. And, uh, but through prayer, through faithfulness, the Lord just carried us through restoration of our masculine and feminine roles. And we're not all the way back, you know, in the sense of, I mean, I'm still, I'm like at 85%, you know, much healthier, much more functional. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I'm actually just recently in the last, I don't know, six weeks, I've been taking my boys skateboarding again. And I've been going to the skate park and, and my body's been reacting well to it. I've been able to skate and, um, and my, my boys, I've been able to take them with me. So it feels like the Lord is, um, is replenishing the crops again. And so it's been a, been a great blessing. That's awesome. Yeah. I love seeing those videos. Mm -hmm. I saw a video recently of one, I, I don't even know which boy it was, Valor, Honor, I don't know honor, the yeah. ages or who it was, but dropping in and I was like, no way that uh, that's intimidating stuff. I mean, what was it? Maybe like a three foot, four foot drop. Yeah. But I was like, that was impressive. Like yeah. it, it was pretty yeah, it's cool taller to see. than him. You know, it'd be like yeah. us jumping in on a seven foot, you know, uh, ramp dropping in. But yeah, he, he's been, he's been loving it. And, and I've been, I've been loving it. I have a theory. I posted this on Instagram. I have a theory that I'm, it's actually helping me get healthier because, you know, rebounding on jumping on a trampoline is very healthy to like drain your lymphatic system. Skateboarding is basically jumping up and down everywhere. You know, you're, you're constantly up and down and it's hard impact. Um, so I, I feel like there's been a lymphatic draining system situation going on. And then men, um, if you want to boost your testosterone, which basically helps everything in your body to become healthier, um, work out your legs. If you work out your legs, you'll have greater testosterone gains than if you work out your arms, your back, um, you know, your chest, but your legs boost testosterone. So skateboarding is like all legs. And so that's my theory why I've been feeling actually better having started wow. skateboarding. So just a small grace of the Lord in this season That's of, awesome. uh, of healing. Yeah, I'm sure Dr. Dr. Huberman is going to be telling everybody to start skateboarding like <laughs> right. next week. You know, you're ahead of, you're ahead of the game there. Uh, uh, I want to hear, did you have something you want to say? Well, no, but I feel like, well, I mean, I do, but I feel like we should wrap it up. Yeah, so, yeah, that's, you know. that's where I was going to go. <laughs> I'm like, thank you guys so much for doing this during nap time, trying yes. to schedule our different babies on different time zones and everything. We yes. really appreciate it. Yeah, could you guys, in closing... Um, Tell us like what the current projects are. And I tell you what, yes. that's hard to keep up with because it, you guys I, pump stuff out faster we, than anything like, I've we, ever seen. We've met some like 
productive people in our days, you know, and no, we consider ourselves pretty productive. Yeah, I, I consider myself productive people, and yet you guys do more than anybody I know. Dale, like you work, you know that book Tim Ferriss, the Four Hour Work Week. Yeah, like you need to write a book like the four the four hundred hour work week or something, or like <laughs> yeah. the forty hour work day. Yes, yeah, because you work more than anybody that that, that I know, and you're always you know cranking out new things sorry well, we know that's also a lot for a couple though because if your husband's oh, working yes. all the time you're working yes all the time, i just so. remember like earlier on in our marriage just as long as i've known dale he has a new idea every day yeah. every day and people are like how do you like feel about that or what do you like he does so many things and i'm like if i hear about an idea once or twice i just kind of brush it off i'm like okay cool like that sounds great and then there's other ones where i'm like definitely no but if I keep hearing about it, you know, a fourth time, a fifth time, then I know he's going somewhere with it. Yeah. Then yeah, you lo- know like two days from then he's going to have a, a product to show you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that's my, my, luckily at this point, my ideas are books usually. And so it's not as disruptive, you know, so it's, I can come with an idea for a book. You know, I've, I think I've written nine or 10 books now and it's, you know, it, it is, it's a, it's a blessing to write, but I can, I can, um, experience that desire to fulfill ideas through writing and through creating those things. Um, but yeah, the new things that are going on right now, um, you know, the biggest thing is we planted our church, uh, Kingsway church down here in Prescott, Arizona, and that has been so wonderful. And we, we have, I don't know, 80 something people there now. And, and we just planted really five weeks ago and we've been working on this for, I don't know, eight months now. And so uh, uh, kingswaybible.org, that's our website for our church there, and it's just such a great blessing. The, um, the other thing is the ReLearn app. Is he getting fussy? Okay. You, I'm going to walk out, yeah. but okay. thank you very much. I'll finish my thing. <laughs> and then you sorry, can guys. Us. Thank um, you so much, Veronica. Yes, thank you. The, the, the big thing that we launched right now is the ReLearn app, and this is something that... I've been thinking about for so long and there's, there's a need, there's lots of really great apps out there. You know, the Canon plus app is really good. Uh, you know, I, I know John MacArthur just dropped an app as well. And, you know, G3 has an app and AGTV, uh, has an app. And so I think the place that was missing was that, uh, there are so many great historical works, uh, from the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s, 1800s that obviously they had done a more rigorous work of theology at that point. They didn't have the internet. They were, they were more focused you know, they could, they could read for four hours straight. Um, and they wrote some of the greatest theological works of all time. The, the publisher, the banner of truth basically does that. They, they publish those great works. Uh, the problem is, is that they're, they're in antiquated language. Um, and they are hard to read. They're heavy and they're also thick. They're, you know, they're, they're 500, 600 page books. And so what we've decided to do is we want to take all of these works from that are in the public domain and we want to find the, the best chapters of some of these great works. And then we modernize them to get rid of the Victorian language, get rid of the KJV, like throw in some ESV and like help make that uh, accessible for the average reader. And then we pay someone to do a professional um, audio recording of that book and then put it in ebooks. So you have an ebook and audiobook of stuff from, you know, B.B. Warfield and stuff from, 
you know, Jonathan Edwards or A.W. Pink or Charles Spurgeon or, and, and have all of that work available in a modernized professionally recorded audiobook. And so we have, we have done that now with like 300 audiobooks and wow. we're, we're adding two or three a day. And so we're mining out great content and, and I'll tell you what, they were, they were smarter than us. Um, I've just realized that after reading so much old work, it's like, we need to go back right now to figure out what's normal. Um, they had no confusion around gender. They had no confusion around sexuality. They had no confusion around biblical roles. They had no confusion around feminism or, you know, divorce or, or suicide or mental health or any of that stuff. And so it's like this really beautiful, you know, time capsule of sound wisdom and so we get to go back and I, I found stuff on post-millennialism from the 1800s and I found stuff on biblical patriarchy from the 1700s and stuff that's really relevant to the Christian conversation today. It was already a main thing back then. And they were absolutely, you know, beautiful and crushing it with clarity. And, and so, so we're bringing that stuff back to, to life along with even some books from the 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, um, and 19... 50s and and as long as and as well as partnering with a handful of of modern theologians to produce audio stuff there and so uh, it's just at app.relearn.org it's available on the iOS it's available on Android it's ten bucks a month a uh, hundred dollars a year um, it supports our ministry and we're adding in so much stuff like right now I'm in the middle of adding a narrated dramatized audio Bible for kids um, that's just great. And so, so we're, we're putting in constant stuff. We actually need subscribers right now so that we can do all that stuff in the future, but it's kind of like the audible for theological works for the church. And so we're, that's the main focus. So there's the church and then there's, there's that. Um, the other things that are always rolling are Reformation Seminary, um, you know, our, our school, and we just redid the curriculum and launching that in 2025. Um, I'm writing a book on Christmas uh, that'll come out next Christmas. It's called The the Weapon of Christmas. Um, and so there's going to be some good conversation around that. And so, yeah, I'm busy. Um, I did a counseling session earlier today. I, you know, I, I had another new church member come over to my house this morning. I'm doing this call with you guys. And so I, I feel like the Lord has given me a work ethic and a wife that will support that work ethic. Um, and we we do that in a way that we try not to compromise our kids and our marriage. And if you listen to our podcast, Welcome Home, we talk about how we do that and try to, you know, guard against that ditch on that side of the road. Um, but yes, we are busy. You can follow along um, just uh, at relearn. If you just look up relearn.org on Instagram or Dale Partridge on Instagram or on Twitter uh, and relearn.org, our website there, uh, kingswaybible.org, those are all the places you'll find what we're doing. Wow. I love it. I'll tell you what, I mean, I'm pumped about your app big time. Just yeah, you talking about that great. stuff. There's like one time I tried to find an AW pink book and it was like, they're, it's not available. You know, it's not on Amazon you can't find it anywhere. So I'm pumped to be able to access some of these guys. Yeah. We uh, have AW pink's entire library modernized and recorded in audio. Wow. I mean, I'm talking like hundreds of hours of his stuff. Yes. We have like Charles Spurgeon's morning and evening devotionals in three minute segments recorded by an Englishman 
I mean, it's awesome. And, and oh, you can man. listen to it three minutes in the morning, three minutes at night. It's so good. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm making the app really for me. I'm like, what would my family want? What would my wife want? And we, 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 you know, there's a book called The Essentials of Prayer by Ian Bounce. It's just my wife loves it. And so we're just trying to put in great content for there. Wow. I Man, yeah, we'll link what. all that stuff down in the description. Yes. Where everyone can find you. And yeah, that's that's it. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you so much, Dale. Make sure Veronica knows we appreciate her taking the time to talk yeah, with us today. We know you guys are busy. Yes. So and this is a huge blessing to us. It's a huge blessing to our audience. And uh, we're just so grateful for all the work that you guys are doing. And we just pray the Lord's continued blessing on your family and, and yeah. improved health. I uh, can't wait to be in person someday soon. Amen. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.